Welcome to the Real Life Enlightenment Podcast, a highly imperfect podcast full of ideas that we have found to be enlightening, intersharing with the hope that it will, in turn, bless someone else's life too. Hey everyone, it's Emily, and I am going to share with you some advice today on how to decrease your yelling at your children. Now, the title says stop yelling because that's what we often say. Um, We might say, I yell too much and I really don't like it and I want to just stop yelling at my kids. But I'm saying decrease because there are still times when we probably should yell at our kids. For example, if your child is chasing a ball into the street and a car is coming, it's really appropriate to yell at that point in time. I think that we as parents have this um, instinct and reflex as part of our survival to- toolbox where if our children is going to be doing if our child is going to be doing something dangerous that we need to stop them instantly without physically being there to do it for them. Um, unfortunately, with the society in which we now live, it carries over a lot from where it would normally be an emergency to now where often we end up yelling about just anything that we don't like. And um, this is definitely not a judgmental podcast at all. I feel very vulnerable. I feel like I'm, again, airing out some of my um, problems for, for the public, but I'm really sharing this with the hopes that it will help other people as much as it has helped me. So a few months ago, I had this major epiphany, um, a little bit of backstory. I've noticed for years and years that my children act up so much worse for me than for other people. And I've noticed it as a teacher. Um, I do in-home schooling. I did kindergarten last year. I've done preschool a few times. This year I'm doing preschool. And I've, I've noticed often that children are just so good for me. And then the parents come to pick them up and they become this different child. <laughs> And they're so much harder for the parent. And I know I have kids that might yell at me over seemingly simple things. And I often think, okay, you would never yell at your grandparents like this. Which is great, by the way, if I would much rather them not yell at their grandparents. And I've taken it personally, or I used to take it personally for so many years. Oh, it must be something's wrong with me. I'm doing something wrong. I need to be more like, I don't know, the people that they don't yell at, even though it was literally everyone else except for me and my husband. So um, uh, I had an epiphany, though. I don't yell at other people's kids. (laughs) Unless it's an accident. Not an accident. If, like the child is doing something that needs urgent intervention. For example, I remember my in-home preschool last year, I only remember yelling one time. There were several boxes stacked high in my living room that I hadn't had a chance to get out before we started school for that day. And the children decided that they wanted to get into the bottom box and they were trying to just pull it out. And I, I turned around and I saw these big boxes about to fall on these really little children. And I definitely just yelled, (laughs) stop it. And they stopped and looked at me with such fear because I had never yelled. And I think that's the only time I yelled that entire school year. 
Now with my own children, I don't, I, I cannot say the same. And I'm so um, triggered into shame and more guilt about this maybe than, than most other things in my parenting. Because I always said that growing up, I, I wouldn't be a yeller. I was around a lot of um, yelling as a child, and I always said, okay, when I grow up, I'm not going to yell at my kids. That's just not going to be my way that I solve problems. And here I am, more than a decade later, of having children, and I'm getting so much better. But for years and years, I was yelling. And not only was I yelling, um, I was really down on myself about yelling. I felt guilty. I felt shame. I felt just all sorts of negativity because I didn't enjoy the way I was showing up to parent, but it seemed like I just couldn't get myself to stop or there was no other option and or it, it just happened when I didn't intend for it to happen. And and it still does now. I, I don't want to say I'm perfect at all and everyone that knows me in real life probably would agree, but it's a lot better. And we're looking for progress, right? We're not as worried about perfection as we are progress. So it's getting better. And I want to share with you um, some of the things that have helped. Uh, The biggest thing I think that has helped me is to learn my triggers. So one of the things that can help you a lot if you end up yelling more than you want to, learn your trigger. What caused you to yell? What was it in that situation that made you flip into yelling? Um, was it... Uh, I have some things here that sometimes trigger me or, or might be common triggers. Was it disrespect towards their parents was it something that you might consider bullying a sibling or a younger or smaller child? Ignoring is a huge one for me. If I feel ignored, if I make a request and I feel that I'm being ignored by my children, I really struggle to keep my temper under control. And um, some more triggers. If I see my child hurting or trying to hurt someone else, that's a major that's a huge trigger. And again, that, that might not be a time that we have to always let go of the yelling, right? Um, because I never want to let my child hurt another child. But there may be other ways um, to get around it without the yelling, and we'll, we'll get there. Um, interestingly enough, I have on my list here damaging objects. Now, this is funny because I'm not particularly attached to things. I, I really try to maintain an emotional detachment from things but and so when a child drops a glass and it breaks I have yeah whatever that's fine let's clean it up but if a child were to purposefully like in anger break that glass it would flare me up so quickly so that's just interesting to me that I have that um, problem Um, another trigger that I have if I'm in a hurry which is often because I'm often running late um, when I need to go and pick up my oldest son from school and I'm trying to get my youngest to to just 
like put their shoes on or walk out the front door or really simple requests and they're just walking like snails and I'm worried about the time and we're not going to get him on time and then we have repercussions with the school or whatever that's when I often have found myself turning to yelling um hanger this is huge uh, <laughs> if I have not gotten the nutrition and calories that I need in a day um I am snapping so much faster um if my if I didn't sleep well the night before if I haven't taken care of me enough that's going to set me up for a trigger also if this one's interesting uh, emotional contagion it's called if my baby is fussing if she's upset about whatever reason and if she's fussing I end up on edge a lot and I am so much more likely to snap over something simple and yell at my kids when I really didn't need to. Uh, if you are, have any sort of neurodiversity, which I believe a lot of people do, whether or not it's diagnosed, um, that can that can sometimes um, set you up so where you may be more prone to yell than someone that might be neurotypical. For example, I have... I'm most likely have ADHD and I was listening to a podcast by the Attitude Magazine, ADD Etude Magazine. Uh, it's a great resource if that's something that would help you or one of your loved ones out, I recommend it. I was listening to a podcast about emotions with adults from them and learned something huge. In that podcast, this ADHD coach was explaining that if you ask somebody that is neurotypical, okay, so what emotion are you feeling right now? And on a scale of 1 to 10, what would you say that, that your emotion is? And oftentimes they'll give an answer right around 5, maybe 4, maybe 6, but it's usually right in the middle. Oh, I'm a 5 on happy. I'm, a, I'm feeling really frustrated, and it's around a 5 right now or whatever. Now, if you ask somebody with ADHD, um almost always they're going to say a one like yeah I'm happy but it's just like a one or I am happy and it is a 10 and that's not always a bad thing one of these days I want to make a podcast on the benefits of ADHD because I can tell you I get genuinely incredibly excited over really simple things in my preschool and it makes me a really good teacher so it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I also like, okay, my son, I've asked him to clear his ta plate from the table three times. He's totally ignoring me now. He's walking in the other room. Suddenly I'm yelling at him. It's because I just flipped onto a 10. It's not a huge deal that he didn't clear his plate. We're talking about a dirty plate on the table. We're not talking about him like hitting his brother in the head, right? It's, it's logically, of course, it's not a huge problem. But my ADHD brain went, hmm, it didn't sit there and analyze little problem, big problem. It just went, problem, and suddenly I'm yelling at him. Uh, so that's another thing that we'll address. How can we address these things will come a little bit later on. But another huge trigger, Cheryl Cardall has a Fight Like the Mother podcast. And if you want for me to email you the specific link to this one, then I can, but there's one that talks about sensory needs, and it was slightly life-changing for me. There are 
we know our basic senses, right? Touch, sight, smell, um, hearing, touch, sight, smell, and taste. <laughs> um, and they break down the, the touch sense into touch like on your skin, that tingly, nervy sensation on your skin, and touch in terms of the pressure on your joints. Um, so if we think of an analogy that everybody has a cup, and all of those five split into, that touch split into two um, senses, so six senses, we all have a cup. And there's kind of this normal-sized cup that most people tend to have with those. But some, for example, me, my touch cup is huge. I, if I'm at the beach, I have to take off my shoes or my flip-flops or whatever and feel the sand on my feet. It's just really, really difficult if I don't. I... Uh, don't mind sitting close to people. I like tight hugs. If my kids are playing with my hair, even if they're really rough, I don't mind because I just have this huge touch cup. It it takes a lot before that cup is filled up and overflowing, and and I I'm fine with a lot of different touch um kind of things. Rough fabrics don't bother me. Different textures in food, I'm totally fine with, and so um I have. Uh, whenever I have a child with a really small touch sensory cup, they might not want to put their hands in the Play-Doh. They want to use a tool instead. They can't handle certain fabrics on their skin. Uh, There are a lot of different sensory needs. I learned that I have a small auditory cup. And this is weird because I go to dance where there's really loud music multiple times a week. And... I work with young children and I love it and they can be pretty loud but my auditory cup is still really small and I noticed this one day after preschool where the kid it was a really good day and the kids were very well behaved but that particular day for the last 20 minutes or so they were they were really really loud in the house they were pretending to be wolves but they were behaving so well I didn't interrupt it and they were doing some wolf pretend play with each other and with me and when they left, I was just shaking as though I was about to just yell at someone. And I felt so like almost frustrated and upset. And I could not figure out why. I had had enough to eat. I had slept okay the night before. No one was being bad or naughty. And I realized I just have a small auditory cup. And so recognizing my own triggers helps me when my children are being really loud And now I know, okay, it's okay if you want to be loud. I need you to go in the backyard or into your room and close the door. If my preschoolers are in a really loud mood, then we play outside. Or maybe I'll open windows so that the sound will leave the house and not echo around in it so much. I know my own need and I can better monitor myself. Oh, this noise is getting too loud. My husband, I shared this with him and he was like, yes, because on road trips... (laughs) when my boys are getting bored and they start to play quite loudly with each other, I might just turn and yell at them for really easy things. And my husband, who does not have a super small auditory cup, apparently, he's like, do you think you were overreacting on that one? (laughs) So our last road trip, he is just so wonderful. He got me earmuffs, smiled and gently handed me these noise-canceling headphones I put them on and I kid you not, I had no idea 
how amazing that was going to feel. But I had this same sensation go all over my body as though I had just sat down neck deep in a perfectly warm bathtub full of luxurious essential oils. (laughs) I just felt this calming go all over my body. It was incredible. I wish I had known years ago that I had a small auditory cup, and I think it could have saved a lot of yelling if I had recognized that and found ways to prevent me from becoming overstimulated. So maybe take some time to go through all of those different sensory areas. Do you have a small sensory cup in one of those areas? And if you do, can you just be aware of it that maybe you know, set yourself up up for success. We want to do the same for our children. We don't want to, if we know that they tend to become agitated if things are too loud or um, if they're wearing certain textures of clothing, of course we should do the same for ourselves. Let's set ourselves up for success also. Okay, so once you have identified your trigger, why are you yelling in the first place? One of the biggest things you need to stop and do is to validate yourself. Gain more empathy for yourself. I, instead of me saying, oh my goodness, I can't believe I'm yelling again. This is awful. This is not what I want to do. This is not the way I want to show up. This isn't the feeling I want in my home. I'm not doing a good job. None of that is going to help you. Just have empathy. Okay, I've gone through. I've seen why I'm yelling and it's understandable. I can see why I felt as though I was pushed to yell. I understand myself better. It doesn't mean we need to stop there, right? It doesn't mean we can't try to get better, but holding on to that guilt isn't going to help us get there nearly as much as just, oh, I'm grateful I was curious about myself Now that I understand me a little bit more, I'm going to work on me a little bit more. We can just take all of that negative judgment out and it will help us so much faster. I promise it will help you in your parenting journey if you can just take out the negative judgments of yourself and just understand why you have whatever thing you're trying to work on and then try to work on it. Okay, so once you've identified your triggers... You've been empathetic towards yourself and compassionate towards yourself. Now you can address your triggers. And I kind of talked about this a lot with my auditory thing, but um, let's talk about some of the other triggers. For example, if disrespect is something that will usually cause you to yell, why? This isn't an argument at all, just with genuine curiosity. Dig into your brain a little bit. Were you raised in such a way that disrespect is completely unacceptable? And, and none of this means, by the way, I'm going to pause because I can, I, can <laughs> I can already feel arguments. You don't have to accept disrespect. Like, you don't have to sit there and say, okay, so it's totally fine if my children are disrespectful. No, that, that's not what I'm saying. We will get more into other options from yelling. I'm just saying address your own trigger why disrespect is not acceptable, but there may be other things that are not acceptable that don't cause you to yell. What is it about disrespect that makes you feel that you need to yell? If it's the way you were raised, or did you learn it somewhere? 
Um, Or is it just something inherent? I think inherently we all know that one of our children physically harming another child is not okay. And I think a lot of parents might turn to yelling in that situation. And like I said, I'm not I'm not totally sure that that's a bad thing um, unless we can come up with an even more effective way to handle it, which, again, we'll talk about. Um, so go through your triggers, whatever they are, where you notice, okay, I, am, I just yelled in this situation because I was being ignored. Why is that something that triggers you so much? Be genuinely curious about yourself and dig into it. What exactly about that is so urgent to me in that moment? Even if when you're calm and a little bit more logical and you're not, especially if you're neurodiverse like I am, that you're not immediately flared up to that 10. When you're calm and you're down at that 1 or a 5 or wherever, that um, what about that caused you to trigger Stop and think about it. And like I said, withhold the negative judgments as you do this. That is super important. You really can't make very good progress if you're beating yourself up through the whole journey of getting better. right? Uh, A marathon runner that wants to beat their last time isn't going to beat their last time by sitting down and saying, I can't believe that, that... Like, we need to just take that out and be compassionate with ourselves and work towards being better okay um i find that being factual rather than emotional helps me a lot or else i'll sit there and say i cannot believe it it, it is okay to be sad about it right it's probably good if i yelled at my son and he ended up crying it's i think it's appropriate for me to be sad that that happened but once I've processed that sadness, I can then move on it and, okay, now let me be factual. What caused me to yell? Or what, what happened that I felt that I needed to yell? And kind of dig into that. What exactly about that situation was it? Okay. I, I definitely think it's worth spending some time studying yourself and even meditating on really just to try to understand why you were doing this. Um, You can also go a little bit more into now, once you've understood a little bit more about that trigger, think about what you were trying to accomplish. What were you trying to accomplish? So if, um, for example, my kids will not put their shoes on and I've asked them three times and I feel that I've been ignored, and then suddenly I'm yelling at them to put their shoes on. I'm trying to accomplish maybe having them get their shoes on without any more time passing. Okay, so I'm triggered because I don't like to be ignored. I'm also maybe running late, so I have a double trigger. I'm, I'm, I'm already setting myself up now to yell at them. I can recognize that and maybe think, hmm... What might have worked instead? Okay, if I'm running, if we're, we have a time constraint and my children are ignoring a need that needs to happen within a time constraint, what can I do instead of yelling? There's a lot of things. If you're able to, 
um, if it's a young child especially, being very, very gently physical. Like I might go up and hug them or gently grab their hand or I might rub their hair a little bit and say, hey, can you hear me? I need you to get your shoes on right now. What do you need to do right now? And then have until they repeat it back. Or I might just walk up and gently grab their hand and walk them over to their shoes. Say, put your shoes on, please. But it works out so much better now because I recognize that those are the things that I'm often going to yell about. But I don't want to. I don't like that feeling in my house. It's not urgent. No one's in imminent danger, right? So I have found that kind of realizing how I feel right before yelling. Um, for me, it really does feel like a bubbling pot. I feel like the the water has just started to simmer and it's about to hit that rolling boil. And that rolling boil is when the yell comes out. So when I feel that simmer start, when I feel the few bubbles come, I go, hold on, Emily. Right? It is so much easier to stop while you're ahead. Um, it's... You know, I, there's that quote in Hunger Games. Oh, and I can't remember it, but he basically says, "It's so much easier to to hold yourself together when you feel like you're hanging on a thread than to come completely unraveled." And I feel like that's the same with yelling. If I if I'm almost yelling, it's so much easier to control myself right then when those first few bubbles pop up. Okay, so um, if the things that make me more likely to bubble over, huge things, is if I don't have some sort of um, catharsis. Now, this might be, we can have micro in the moment catharsis, uh, things to let out that emotion. For me, uh, I sometimes get really physical. I'll, I'll breathe in. I only have a few seconds usually, right? Um, I'll breathe in. And as I breathe in, I, I visualize all of this nice cool air coming in. And as I breathe out, I try to shake my hands or my feet or both if I can. And I, I visualize all of the steam leaving them. And I'll do that a few times sometimes. It helps me out a lot with that. In the moment, I need to cool down. And that there are so many different ways and techniques for cooling a hot temper. Um, you could Google them, I'm sure, but find what works for you because many of them, I mean, there's one that works for some people to go and lay on their bed and make animal noises, and that's totally fine if it works, but it's not going to work for me in my current role as a mother. And so I would say Google and find an in-the-moment catharsis that can help you remain calm from when you feel those bubbles start to pop up. Now, there's also this huge need for... Um, a general outlet. For me, um, it is exercise. I love dance fitness. I go to Zumba Tony and I go to dance fit. I go to my friend's shine fitness class. I love combining music with workout with friends. And it is, I've said this before and I'll probably say it again, but it is so important for my life. I make sure that rarely will I ever not have at least twice a week where I'm out of the house working out in in those situations because it helps me be a better mother to my children. And I know we have 
self-care is a huge talk and some of you are probably rolling your eyes again like oh here's another self-care lecture but really it was it was life-changing for me a few years ago when I realized that me taking care of me is not selfish that if I want my children to have a good mother in the home with them I need to make sure that that mother's needs are met and I will better take care of them. I am much less likely to yell. I'm much more likely to hold it together if I make sure that I have what I need together. So maybe figure out what are your non-negotiables that you need in your life to show up as the mom that you want to be. And don't be like, oh, I feel so bad that I have to leave my kids and they don't want me to go and they want me to tuck them in and not daddy. I give them a kiss. I make sure that they know that they're loved and I explain I love you. This is my time that I need to go to the gym and I'll see you tomorrow and we'll read books tomorrow. And I have to keep that. I have to keep that boundary because I want them to have a mom that takes care of themselves, uh, takes care of herself. Okay, so some tips that I have for um, in the moment instead of yelling that have really helped me out. Uh, One, if you can, is to just be like Elsa and let it go. But really, if maybe I might say to my kid, okay, you can pour your own milk, but be careful to not spill. And then they spill. I have the, oh no, I was just ignored trigger flare up when really, really, it was a genuine mistake. They were not trying to ignore me by purposefully spilling that milk right in front of me after I said, be careful. They're just still learning to pour their milk. Can I just ignore it? Oh, I see you clean. You spilled your milk. Would you like some help cleaning that up? Right? Or in other cases, you can maybe just not say anything and it'll be fine. Just be careful. Milk spills. Hold my breath. Watch them clean it up themselves. You might be surprised. Okay. Number two, instead of yelling, um, being genuinely curious about your child. I have a three-year-old that's potty training, and um, for those of you that have potty trained boys, you totally, you totally get the whole, yeah, that it ends up with messes a lot. Um, but he made a pretty big mess in there this morning, and we were in a hurry. We were trying to get to my niece's baptism and um, be on time, and instead of getting mad, um, I decided to be curious with him. Hey, buddy, do you know why you, why you made that mess? Okay, um, was it A or B? And I only do this if the kid can handle it. If they're already borderline melting down, I would not go this route. But this child was genuinely as interested as I was. And so we chatted for a bit. Okay, what do you think you could have done instead? And what do you think you could do next time? Okay, well, um, thanks, and thanks for helping me clean this up. And then we finished sanitizing the floor and the sides of the toilet and we washed our hands and um it was so much more effective than yelling it did take some more time which we might not always have but I'm hoping it will prevent more of those accidents in the future and also there wasn't negative feelings going on in the house at a time that was already stressful because we were trying to get out the door okay this is a huge one um Some people call it box breathing. If you think of a box having four sides, you breathe in for five seconds, hold your breath for five seconds, 
while you're holding your breath for five seconds, ask yourself how you want to show up. Breathe out for five seconds, right? And repeat as necessary, but maybe in two, three, four, five. How do I want to show up? I want to be a loving mom as I breathe out. Um, putting myself into that mindset of reminding myself how I want to be helps me show up as the way I would rather be instead of just acting impulsively on whatever emotion might be flying my way. Um, this one is one that I need to practice a lot. I'm getting better at. I can still improve on. It helps a lot. And I think even when we're in a hurry, we have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare. It's worth not having that yelling because we start to yell at them and then suddenly you know they're yelling back they're crying they're screaming they're slamming doors they're in their room they don't want to come out like we're going to save time by resetting ourselves for those 15 seconds okay number five and this is only possible in some situations is to pre-teach so um in a situation where i think i might resort to yelling for example Okay, kids, so right now we're going to eat dinner, and I know that after dinner you want to play, but we need to go somewhere after dinner. Instead of running straight to your room, I need you to go get your shoes on and wait by the door. Like anything like that, for example, or I have a child that, oh my goodness, for like six months, his newest thing was to get up from the table and like sprint for the couch and wipe his hands and face on the couch. Like, I don't know if he liked my reaction or was looking for attention or I, I didn't take the time to investigate that behavior like I should have. But um, I noticed if I would see he was finishing his dinner and then take the time to say, okay, I see you're almost done. Now let's talk about what you're going to do when you're finished eating. Any moment to pre- teach or to pre-discuss um, something that is going to happen will help prevent the yelling from even having to happen in that first place. The prevention is better than, you know, repentance. <laughs> you know? Um, we also, I know that um, my boys, they like video games. I don't care for video games because of the effects that it tends to have on my boys, the negative effects um, but they sometimes earn screen time and for so long it would resort to a lot of, they would resort to a lot of yelling and I would resort to yelling to control their yelling. And it was just this awful, awful time. And so we would do some pre-teaching. Okay. So today when you're playing Mario Kart, what are you going to do if you end up going from second place to 11th place within five seconds? How are you going to handle that? And then to myself, right, I'll think, okay, if he loses it and starts screaming, how am I going to handle that? How do I want to show up? So prevention is better than repentance. That sounds a lot better in Spanish, but that's okay. Now here is one of my very favorite parenting techniques that I've learned lately to help me not have to yell. Um, maybe... Kiddos are jumping on the couch, and they're not supposed to be on the couch. Um, 
I give two options of what they can do. I set a boundary and I inform of a consequence if the boundary is crossed. I really try to keep the consequence fair and logical. For example, um, hey, I see you want to jump right now. You can jump on the ground. And here in our, <laughs> I know this might not be an option for some homes, but my boys have really old mattresses and they're allowed to jump on them because we don't have a trampoline and sometimes kids just want to jump. So anyways, I see you want to jump right now. You can jump on the ground. You can jump in your bed. You cannot jump on the couch. Then I set the consequence if that boundary is crossed. If you jump on the couch, you're going to need to sit in my lap while I set a timer for one minute. Or maybe they wanted to be on... A different way that I might say that is, oh, I see you want to be on the couch right now. You can sit on the couch... You can lay down on the couch, but you cannot jump on the couch. I gave those two options, and then I set my boundary. If you jump on the couch, you need to get off the couch and sit on the floor instead. And so um, that works for so many different areas. Giving those two options, setting a boundary, and giving a consequence if that boundary is crossed. And then we don't even have to yell. We don't even have to get angry. We can just remain factual about it. Oh, I see you chose to jump on the couch. Well, that means now you need to sit in my lap while I set a timer for one minute or whatever the fair consequence was that you came up with. All right. Or else, and if we don't do that, if we just say, don't jump on the couch, don't jump on the couch. Suddenly we're like, you're still jumping on the couch and I want you to stop jumping on the couch. And now I'm going to just Go to your room and stay there for two hours, right? <laughs> like, ah, that sure escalated fast. Instead, okay, you're jumping on the couch. You probably can't even think of what else you can do right now because you're so focused on jumping on the couch. Let me give you two other options that are similar to what you're doing, but they're appropriate. Set up that boundary of what you cannot do and then let you know when you cross it. We don't even have to escalate that. This is one of my favorite parenting things that has helped me so much to to give up more of that yelling and go more into the compassionate and loving um, feelings that I want to have in my house. Okay, the final thing, once you've identified your triggers, you've gained some empathy for yourself, you've addressed why those triggers are triggering, what are you trying to accomplish? How can you accomplish that instead? Right, we've gone through all these steps. One of the biggest things for you to do I'm going to repeat because it's so important is to love yourself during the journey. Anything that you are trying to make progress on, you might never get to perfection. Okay. And that is okay. That doesn't need to be the goal. The goal needs to be progress. Right. Let's work on our effort. And if we are working on not being yelling mothers or fathers or caregivers, we are going to show up so much better than if we're not working on it. And if we expect perfection, the moment that we make a mistake, okay, fine, I'm just going to give up and I'm just going to go back to yelling, right? It's not going to help. But if I go, oh, I just made a mistake, but I'm working on it and I'm better and I care enough to keep trying and I love myself even though I made that mistake, right? That's where we need to be. It's understandable. Sometimes we yell, we're human. It's in this for a reason. We want to keep our child from getting eaten by that tiger and we want to tell them to run away. Okay, we don't have that anymore. But 
it's inherent in us for a reason. It's all right that we have it like that. There's nothing wrong with us. But it also doesn't mean we need to stay there. We can have empathy for ourselves, right? You can have empathy and compassion for you. And you can work on improvement at the same time. Both are possible. And I know we can do this. I know that I, I just know that we don't have to stay stagnant and we don't need perfection. We can be in between. And if we're on that upward slope, that is something worth celebrating. Let's love ourselves in this journey and support each other as we do it. Okay, thanks for listening and have a fabulous day.